All right, and we are on. What's up, everybody? Can you see us? Can you hear us? Hello, everyone. Respond if you can see us or hear us. It looks like. Okay, yeah. Okay, great. Great. So everyone, this is Kathleen Shannon. She's an awesome designer, the founder or the co-founder of um, Being Boss podcast and Braid Creative. Um, so I already told you that, so you probably already know it. And um, you prepared awesome questions for today. Um, so uh, before we start, Kathleen, do you want to start just like a bit of background about yourself, like what brought you to doing this right now and, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, so I started my career as a graphic designer. I graduated, with, I graduated from college with a degree in fine arts and graphic design. I worked as a senior art director at an advertising agency or worked my way up to senior art director. Um, and I was there for about five years. In 2010, I decided to quit my job in advertising to try out freelancing. And so I quickly got into doing branding and graphic design for other creative entrepreneurs. About a year after I started doing that, I convinced my sister, who was a VP creative director at an ad agency, to quit and start Braid Creative with me. So um, it's wow. funny because nice. we thought that we would be working with a lot of the same kind of clients that we worked with in our ad industry days. But I had um, fallen in love with working with creative entrepreneurs, and I found so much purpose and so much value in working with other creatives that we decided to launch like a small little product for them. And we've only been working with creative entrepreneurs ever since. It totally took off. So we've been nice. doing that for five years now. Um, nice. A year and a half ago, I started the Being Boss podcast with Emily Thompson, who is somebody that I have been sharing a lot of clients with. So I do branding and design. She does a lot of web development and uh, strategy. So we decided to start a podcast. We have been getting together to talk probably at least once or twice a month about business and what we were facing and what challenges we had and what opportunities we had. And we were just kind of sharing secrets with each other. And we thought, wouldn't it be cool if we started a podcast and started recording these conversations and letting everyone else listen to them? And so that's how Being Boss started. Um, and we've been at it ever since. Awesome. Awesome. And it looks like, um, I mean, you probably got the relationship where you push each other forward all the time, right? I mean, if you're already trading those kind of like secrets and stuff, so absolutely. And, and the podcast is awesome, uh, guys. If any of you have not heard yet, go and subscribe right now. It's an awesome podcast. Thank you. Um, so, all right. So let's uh, let's start off with some questions. I think there's one which is kind of basic that we can start with, which is um, what tips can you give to someone who's just started his own side project on a blog? What's the best way to get forward fast? Um, I think that having focus is a really good place to start. And that actually answers someone else's question that they had about finding focus. So it's kind of knowing what you want, why you want it, and what action steps you will take to get there. So whenever it comes to starting a blog or podcast, you really need to know why you want a podcast, what you want it to be about, and really some of your end goals. Like what are your goals for your podcast or your blog? Is it to get more clients? Is it to establish a personal brand? Is it to experiment or elaborate or deepen in on your own expertise? So really understanding why you want that in the first place is really important. You can't just start a blog or a podcast because that's what you should be doing or because everyone else is and they seem to have a lot of success with it. So really yeah. know what it is that you want to talk about. Um, one of my biggest tips or exercises for this is to pretend as if you're writing a book and think about the different chapters of your book. And under each chapter, what are the key takeaways or action items or advice that you would give someone? And that can create the structure of your blog content. Um, and writing just, you know, one book 
at the beginning of starting a blog will give you content that you can write about for years. I have been writing yeah. under the same kinds of topics and expertise for five years now. So I think that that's a great way to get focus around your blog. Um, what else? Um, being really super consistent. I mean, I'm sure that you're going to hear that from anyone. Being consistent with the frequency yeah. so that people can know what to expect and you become really super reliable with your content is really great. Um, be super generous with your knowledge. Just give it all away for free. Never be afraid to share everything you know. Don't hoard your ideas. Just give it all away, and I think that that will position you as an expert really quickly, and it will grow your following really quickly because people will see that you are generous and that you have value to add to their lives. This is an amazing, amazing uh, like piece of that answer because a lot of people I know are like afraid to share all that they know because they're like, oh, someone will copy me, or you know, I'm sharing too much. Like you know, Petfling shares his income. Uh, like reports yeah. so uh, I mean I, I totally agree with that um, so it's it's a great piece that everyone should hear so thank you for saying that yeah of course um, all right um, Adir do you have any more I, you say that you're now with a PC today so you're no camera um, but do you have any more kind of like questions to add on top of that like and did you get your answer <laughs> or if anybody has uh, something to add on top of that Always has amazing tips. Thanks. Great. One more thing I All might right. add to that is you might start mm -hmm. guest posting for other people. So once you start your own blog, hmm. start leveraging other people's platforms and their followings to send some of their tribe over to your blog or your side project. Really? You feel that helped? You did that? Oh, absolutely. Like, um, you know, writing on my friend Sarah Von Bargen, like writing on her blog posts or writing on her blog has sent so many people to our podcast and to the Big Boss articles, you know, really just exposing yourself to someone else's platform that already has followers is really super helpful. Yeah, but, but I, have a, I have a question about that because um, I've been asked to do a lot of guest posts, but because it was a side project up until now. Um, even now that, you know, I don't have so much time to write because I'm doing all the, so much, you know, administrative tests all over. Um, so how do you, like, do, do you write original content, like, as good as if it was for your own blog but for other people and then you don't repost it on your blog? Um, yeah, I write original content that's as good as, if not better, than what I would write for myself. Right now, I have five years worth of content in the bag. So, you know, at the yeah. beginning, you have so much stuff to write about. Now I'm kind of like, what, have, what can I say that I haven't said before? So sometimes I will look at my analytics and look at some of my most popular posts that I've had. And yeah. I'll think, okay, wow, I wrote about this three years ago, about this one topic. What have I learned since then? How can I really elaborate on it? How can I make it a little bit more relevant three years later based on what I've learned between now and then? So I will write in, on it in that way. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. I won't write just for anybody and everybody. <laughs> it definitely has to be someone who does have a platform that I'm wanting to leverage um, and that I also like them and I like their audience and they like me. And it really is relationship based. It's kind of just showing up in someone else's space. Okay. And so, okay, can I add a follow up question on that? And I'm sorry, everybody, that, um, <laughs> that I'm, I'm, I'm getting into your questions. But um, if you're already doing good posts, do you have any, uh, like, the best um, tip that you can give to how to get people to your tribe from that guest post? Like, do you put something at the bottom and what's it structured like or at the beginning of the post? Yeah, yeah. I always include a bio that says, you know, Kathleen Shannon owns Braid Creative and Consulting and being boss for more, you know, if you like this article for more, be sure to follow her at these places. Mm -hmm. So it's, just, it's at the end, right? Yeah, and there might be like okay. even links within the post that link back to some of your content as well. Okay, cool, great. Um, all right, so great, great answer. Um, we got into guest posting. That's something I've been, you know, curious about. Um, 
Do, by the way, do, do you think like so? It's a, it's a side project. So you, you um, so you do that at the beginning, but you keep on doing that today. You said you are right. Yeah, I still do it. Like whenever I'm in a launch phase with an e-course, or whenever I have something to sell, <laughs> or if I'm trying to just simply grow my list in between my launch phases, I still think that guest posting is a great way to do that. Okay, great, cool. Um, all right, so moving on to the next question. Um, so Adir, it's it's Adir's upvoted questions. Um, can you share some details about your focus split between your own and, and the podcast um, to working like on, on you know, great creative and how much time goes into each one, what yields more revenue for you, and which one is more fun for you to do? So, like, uh, that's a, a great question. That's a great question. I've been getting asked a lot lately about my split focus between Braid and the podcast. And I think it's really important to note that the podcast started as a way to send listeners to Braid Creative. So it actually started as, yeah, like a content sharing platform that would send people to then hire me through Braid Creative, right? Mm -hmm. um, and... So that being a the podcast being a part of my funnel still made it a singular focus, but when the podcast started to take a life of its own and it became its own source of revenue, I had to do some serious, almost soul searching and planning to figure out how my role in Braid Creative and my role at Being Boss would be split and how much time I would spend in each place. So mm -hmm. I actually decided to shift my role at Braid Creative from doing a lot of the client work and the one-on-one -on -one work to doing the one-to-many work. So at Braid, I really started focusing on creating that content, writing those blog posts, and that kind of answers your question as far as like, how do you have time? Well, I've made it my yeah. job. So now that it's become my number one job to reach as many people as possible, that's given me a lot of focus. Um, okay. And so my role at Braid is, is writing blog posts, kind of figuring out our email strategy and writing those emails, and then really focusing on our Braid Method branding e-course and focusing on that product that, and scaling that product because we only have so much time to work with our clients one-on-one. -on -one. And then a lot of yeah. that does still lead into getting those one-on-one -on -one clients at Braid. Um, and so with that, whenever I was able to shift my role to fit the Being Boss model of one-to-many, it really just gave me a lot of focus on, I, I don't really necessarily think of like how I'm splitting my time between the two businesses, but really just getting a bunch of clarity around what my role is in both of those businesses and making it as aligned as possible. So, I mean, I'm definitely spending probably, it feels like I'm spending more time on being boss in a lot of ways because that brand has developed so much traction and it has gained so much popularity in such a short amount of time that I'm mm -hmm. really trying to leverage that for what it is. So, for example, we just signed a contract with a book agent, and we're writing a book. I just think that the Being Boss brand is something that's really super marketable to a lot of people, and it's something that could potentially make us a lot of money really fast in a more scalable way. Whereas Brain cool. Creative, though, that's like where my expertise comes from, and that's like I, I would not have had the success with being boss if I didn't have that expertise to really back it up from Braid. So sometimes yeah. I'm tempted to like go back to Braid and say, okay, what what else can I learn within the realm of personal branding uh, that I can bring back to being boss? So there is still some good things about stepping in on some client meetings every once in a while to see what questions people are asking and what struggles they're facing so that I can then address them on a larger scale in our emails and on the podcast. Does that, I hope, that's kind of like a roundabout answer. I wasn't very specific. <laughs> no, it, it was great. Um, so first of all, congrats on the book. <laughs> Thank it's you. Awesome. Thanks. It's awesome. Um, and I think in terms of like, um, so in terms of the question, um, there was the part about revenue. So what makes you more right now? Are you like making most of your income through being boss or through the agency? That's a good question, and I'm not entirely sure, only because I've hired other people to take care of all the money for me, but I think <laughs> right now, my income has grown since starting being boss. I still split Braid Creative 50-50 with my sister, and we have some expenses around employees. Same with being boss, but I think that... Um, 
I think that my revenue right now, it really is split about 50-50 between the two. Um, And I would say that Braid Creative, though, is still kind of like my bread and butter. It's like the really, it's almost like Braid Creative is now my day job that I get a steady paycheck from. And I know how much that's going to be every single time. But being boss is that kind of more entrepreneurial opportunity where it's like, okay, if I hustle this hard, can I build out a like half a million dollar business plan next year? So (laughs) that's kind of where I'm at right now with that. Cool. Amazing. Um, So great answer. Um, Let's see if we miss someone, how much time goes into each one. Uh, So in terms of how much time goes into each one, um, or do you like do you work hard? Do you work like normal hours? How much? Because you have those two things going on, it's a lot of work. Yeah, I work really hard. I do. <laughs> yeah. I um I also should mention that I have a two and a half year old son and a husband, uh, and I like yeah. to. I do really respect a good work life balance. Um, so I've been really working on that this year, and I think that being boss is an opportunity where I can find places to work smarter and not harder. So mm-hmm. at the beginning of any business, there is that, like, work hard phase, right? Yeah, so that you yeah. can then work smarter and just put things in place that will start to make you revenue on its own later. Um, so, yeah, I work really hard. Like, so, for example, I was just at a four-day, well, I guess it was two full-day retreat and then some travel on each side of that. And I spent eight hours in an airport because I had a weird layover. I missed a flight. And I just bought myself a United Club Pass, and I spent eight hours working solid on a Braid e-course launch plan um, to really try and, like, systemize that a little bit better. Whereas I could have just sat there and, like, watched Netflix, right? And I was really super tired. I maybe had two hours of sleep. Um, I was working on the book on the entire flight home. So, like, those are examples of how I really do work hard. And I work normal business hours. My kiddo is in daycare. I get asked that a lot. No one ever asks my husband where my kid is. But my kid is in daycare, and um, I work, like, a pretty pretty traditional nine to five hours, except I do take about two hours every day to go work out and get ready and make myself some food. Um, so I don't work like a full eight hours a day. It's probably closer to six or seven, but I feel like I I never turn off in my head. And that's where I feel like I work hard (laughs) is that I'm constantly thinking about my business and what I could do better. Or I'm thinking about content or I'm busting open my Evernote and taking just a couple of notes maybe in the evening, that sort of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, we actually got a methodology for that. Uh, and we call it the switch. Um, so because you're working on your side project, like or um, whatever your hustler your hustle hustle is. So um, the the main thing is once you're at work, you're at work. Once you're with your family, you're with family. So we call it the switch because when you give it a name like that, and you remember, and you're like with your family, and you start checking emails, you're like, oh shit, the shit, the switch, hit the switch, and then like, yeah. you know, so. That's like uh, that's a thing that you know. I at least I um, I worked on a lot. I, we're we're all still working on it. But yeah, I, I completely feel you on that. I guess everybody here right now really feels you on that as well. Um, but I would say like whenever you have a side hustle, you have to get buy-in from your family, and they yeah. have to understand that there are going to be some days where you're going to be working on the weekend, especially if yeah. you have a side hustle, um, or where you are going to need a little extra support from them because without that, like without the support from my husband and him understanding that I am an entrepreneur and that I'm not going to be able to switch it off all the time. Um, that's the only way you can do it. And I, I wish I had like this secret formula to where you can have a day job and a side hustle and, and have enough time for like all the things and your family. Um, but, but there's only so many hours in the day and you're going to have to get really serious about how you delegate that time. If you work a full-time job and you can sneak in your side hustle at your full-time job, (laughs) that's ideal. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, that's what I feel like I've done with Braid. I feel like I've set it up so that I was able to create a full-time job type of business and then still get paid to now explore my side hustle. And whenever I gave myself the role of 
like my role within my company, and I still, okay, this, I should clarify here too, I split my being boss income with my sister at Braid. So like her kind of funding me to go try being boss is going to pay off for her. It's almost like she's an investor. Mm. Like Braid Creative is an investor in being boss. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sounds, sounds cool. Yeah. Sounds like a, like a fair plan. Um, and um, yeah, I, when, I, when we did the Hacking UI podcast, um, so we did it also our full-time job, and I was design director at SimilarWeb, and so we called the first season Scaling a Design Team, and we interviewed world-class design managers uh, in order for me to learn how to manage my designers. So uh, that's how we got support for my, so I totally feel on that uh, completely. Like, if you, get, if you can get your, and I think most of the times you can, right? I think most of the time you can find that sweet spot where your side project is, helping you out in your full-time day job because usually they're about the same stuff. Hopefully you're in your passion. Totally. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so great answer on that one. Um, all right. Next question. This is the last one by Adir for now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Adir asks, how did you get the initial traction for the podcast? Where did you promote it? How did you get the first guests to appear? Um, so... I think that that five years that I had put into Braid Creative to begin with, I had built a newsletter list like of a modest size. And that's what I've always promoted my stuff to my people first. And so, um, so yeah, between me and Emily, we were able to share it with our own audiences first. Mm -hmm. And our own audiences are small but incredibly loyal. So whenever we ask them to all write us a review on the same day, that launched us up into the number two spot in business on iTunes. And we have never left the top 100 cents. So it's kind of like messing with the algorithms a little bit to work into your advantage. And you guys, I didn't know that I was doing that. Like it wasn't the kind of thing where I thought, oh, here's an idea. Here's how I can get into new and noteworthy and into, into the top two of you know, iTunes. But since learning that, I will kind of do a little campaign every um, every quarter where I'm asking our tribe to write us for ratings and reviews on iTunes because it really does help. So that was okay, definitely huge. Yeah, that was definitely huge. Um, initial traction as well. How did we get our first guests? So we already have relationships with a lot of amazing creative entrepreneurs. So Melissa Hartwig of Whole30 was already one of my clients through Braid Creative. Um, Brene Brown was already one of my clients through creative so I was able to take a lot of these like really names that I've already worked with and already have relationships and invite them onto the podcast and then I also asked friends like or you know for example I think that Paul Jarvis is also a mentor for you guys and um, he's someone whose newsletters I have been following for a long time I didn't even ever read on his website the part where he says I'm not accepting interviews um, but I went ahead and emailed him and I was, I was like, you know, I'm such a fan of your work. Like, is there any way I could interview you? So anyway, um, I was able to interview just people that I admired and people that I liked and I just invited them on. Okay, I, I think our host has disappeared on us. So I'll just keep going for you guys. <laughs> um... So yeah, that's how we got some of our okay. first. Oh, there you are. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Crowdcast. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I'm like, it's 2016. Why does why isn't the internet just seamless? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. So yeah, basically, I just asked okay. people to appear, and they appeared. They came on the cool. show, and then I think that good work always you know, gets recognized. And I like to think that the Being Boss podcast, that we are doing something a little bit different and something that really seemed to resonate with people beyond folks that we already knew. And so it just kind of started to spread like wildfire. We didn't have to promote it much at all. Okay, now I will say great. now that we're trying to like, now we have new goals to double in size and that's been a little yeah. bit trickier. So, you know, that might be something that someone encounters in the first place. And so we're trying things um, like holding webinars. We're trying things like Facebook advertising. So we're trying a lot of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs are trying and just seeing what sticks. But for the most part, we're always just focused on 
doing really work that resonates. How are you finding the webinars? They're good. And I'm new to the whole yeah. webinar thing. Um, but <laughs> I, I like it. I've You're doing a lot lately. There's nothing that I, this is like my favorite part of my job is getting to connect with other creatives and having conversations in front of people. I mean, that's how the podcast started. So yeah. for me, I really love doing webinars and I think it, it, it works unless Crowdcast cuts out on us. <laughs> Crowdcast. Oh my God. That, that it's, it's, I don't know. I, we, I still haven't made up my mind about it, but like David and I are always like back and forth. It's kind of like a, Love-hate relationship. Um, I but, think yeah. ultimately I love it. Let me know if you find a better solution, though. Yeah, it's, that's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, the features here are amazing that you can answer, you know, questions, and there you have the recorded session, you have the chat. Like, the features are amazing. The problem is the video doesn't work, and that's the main feature. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's like uh, chicken and eggs. Um, yeah. I was going to say, it's kind of like your cell phone. Like, I feel like the, the, I have the hardest time hearing people on my phone. And I'm like, this yeah. is your primary job. <laughs> you had one job. <laughs> one job. Actually, I mean, my cell phone is like, has more power than the first space shuttle that went to the moon, I'm sure. But uh, I still it, can't uh, hear clearly on it. <laughs> yeah. Do, do any of you, by the way, uh, Kathleen, tell me if you know this blog, you had, one, you had only one job? What's that? You had only one job. The the blog. Oh, I didn't know that. I've never seen it. There, it's an amazing. I think it's like a Tumblr blog, and, and just like people keep on posting like the most funniest things ever. Oh, that's um, I always had think one that job, whenever yeah. I whenever my Starbucks cups like leaks coffee on me, I'm like, you have one job. Like your one job is just to hold coffee and not like not break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You had one job. Yeah, okay, so I'll check that out. Anyway, That's funny. funny. Yeah, I, I just posted it in the in the in the next. All right. Um, and I had another question about the um the podcast traction. Um, okay. How much do you think design around your podcast is helping you be successful, and especially at the beginning, because I think you have beautiful design around the podcast. Um, all the images are very well designed, everything around it, like your blog, uh, your site. How do you think that um, that helped? Um, I mean, I am a branding professional, so it's probably my job to tell you that branding absolutely matters and it totally helps. Um, we gained a lot of traction on the podcast before. What, what you see now at beingboss.club is a like round 2.0. It was an updated rebrand where we were actually able to take it through the entire braid method. Whenever we first launched, it was kind of just that we have the skills to do branding and graphic design and web development. So we just threw something together in a weekend. And it still looked beautiful, but it was nowhere near what it is today. And yeah, I mean, I think that the more legit you look, the, the more people are going to respect you or take you seriously or have confidence in you. And I, I don't know why that makes me sad to say, because I guess that there are a lot of people who have really great things to say. And, but if your blog looks like crap or if your podcast looks like crap, people aren't going to, like people do judge a book by its cover. And so good branding is really important. I think that you can overcome bad branding by, but you just have, you have to like swim uphill a little bit, swim uphill, swim upstream a little harder if you have bad branding. Yeah. And I think it's a great answer. I think also that um, it connects with something that I am testing recently, like with asking people also from the product design field, also from branding, like different kind of designers. Um, and I read an article once that said that design has two functions only. One is to multiply the value of a product, and the second is to create, create perceived value of a product. So it cannot make or break the product, it can multiply the value by like a tenfold, or it can create perceived value, meaning if you have a cheap product but you want to make it look luxurious but it will not make or break your product. So in terms of what you're saying right now, if you started off with a great design, that's what you said, it's like being legit. So you yes. created perceived value, um, which supported also because the value was quality, right? But like you said, people judge a book by its cover. Um, so, and then keeping on consistent, that multiplies the value of your product. So, and iterating in that, so. 
Um, yeah, and I think that my approach, I love everything that you just said there. And I think that good branding, what it does is it helps make what's happening inside. It makes your expertise that you've got in your head. Um, you know, you just want that to match on the outside. And that's what branding is. It yeah. gives people, it's that outer layer of what they can expect to get if they go further. Yeah, great, great. All right. Um, so... Oh, we didn't do start answering for that. Oh, uh -oh. My bad. All right. Anyway, <laughs> wait. I'll do start answering and down answering, and we'll manage sort that later. All right. So we got Danielle. Um, Danielle is asking. I'm curious to know about working with your sister. I'm sure it can be great and hard at times. Any tips on working with someone that's close to you? Yeah. Sure. So working with my sister. Um, working with my best friend is my employee, working with Emily, who I've become really close with on a personal level, even since working together professionally on the podcast and other projects. Yeah. It all comes down to the same thing. Oh, here you go. Is... Oh, yeah. hi. Danielle is here. Danielle's oh, hi, right. Danielle. How's it going? <laughs> Good. So it all comes down to communication. Um, clearly outlining your roles, talking money early and often, and some of my biggest mistakes have been in partnering up with people and not really discussing like, okay, this sounds like a fun project, but what is our end goal? And if that end goal for one person is money and the other person is just to have fun, you're going to have a lot of like friction and stress there. Um, yeah. We revisit our goals and roles quarterly. So my sister and I go on business trips a lot, and we use that opportunity whenever our kids, like, aren't running around, and it's just the two of us to really do some, like, big picture planning and some big dreaming. So, yeah, that's how that works. We have a lot of really good shorthand communication because we can practically read each other's minds, and that can work as against us at times whenever we're, like, stressed out in our business. It causes... We, yeah. we know it. There's no hiding it. So, yeah. Do you have any other questions about that? Okay. Um, no, I think you pretty uh, much answered it. <laughs> uh, Are you about to Well, oh, wait. I can hear you funny. I just, I think, yeah, I, want, I was curious to hear about your sister. Um, yeah, and how, I don't know if you would know how that would apply if, I don't know, I'm thinking to open, to, to share what I'm creating with, uh, with my boyfriend, with my partner. Um, if it would be similar. I mean, I know it's very personal. Yeah, it's totally similar. Similar. I think some of the best advice I've ever gotten in this comes from my co-host's um, partner, so her, like, life partner, her, basically her husband. They're not married, but practically. Anyway, he said, he told me one time that the amount of energy that you put into your business cannot compensate for the personal energy that you put into your personal relationship. And so it can be really easy to get sucked down into that business hole and think that really just focusing on your business and putting attention there will compensate for like all the other aspects of your relationship, but yeah. it won't. You have to like continue to feed your personal relationship too. And I think that that applies to working with a sister, working with a friend and working with, um, uh, like a boyfriend or a husband because yeah like if you if you stop connecting on that personal level there's gonna be trouble yeah <laughs> um, and just a follow-up question on that um, Kathleen do you like do you meet with your sister you said like maintaining that personal relationship do you meet with your sister and the kids like often besides work yeah, my sister and I live across the street from each other. <laughs> yeah, but what's funny is that we realized early on I had been working for myself for a year and getting really focused and not really spending a lot of time like talking back and forth with someone and being really autonomous. And my sister was really used to working in teams where they're like constantly chatting and it kind of caused some friction at first like I was like could you please just stop talking to me and now I see like she just needed to talk stuff out and so I think that really again that comes down to like what are your communication styles and how are you talking but so now even more more than ever our business roles are kind of contained and we're really autonomous so our relationship whenever we are hanging out is probably really 50 50 split between talking about work and even now sometimes whenever we're hanging out personally, we'll kind of mention some work stuff, but just because that's fun for us. Um, yeah. yeah, we still go on, like, family vacations together, and we'll decide not to work. 
Um, but we're pretty flexible about all that stuff. We're, we're never like, okay, absolutely, we don't have that necessarily switch off. It's just a little bit more organic whenever it comes to when we're talking about work and when we're not. But, like, my favorite thing is in the middle of the day playing hooky from work and going over to her house and, like, hanging out on a personal level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Okay. Uh, it's awesome. And, Danielle, you had another question right there, right? Um, um, uh, I did. I forgot what okay. it was. Oh, I think you, you kind of, you answered it, I think, about um, focus. Oh, I have yeah. one more tip for you, Danielle, on staying focused. I don't know if yes. you've listened to any of the Being Boss episodes, but if you go to beingboss.club slash chalkboard, I have okay. a system called the chalkboard uh, method. The chalkboard method. The chalkboard nice. method. It's a visual goal-setting system so that you understand um, really kind of your main sources of revenue, how many clients you have to close or how many things you have to sell to meet your goals. And it's just a really good way of literally making space for what it is that you want. And that has been my number one secret for staying focused on my goals is to write it down on a chalkboard that I literally see every single day. So I think that just whatever you need to do to stay reminded of your goals and what those are, um, and then beyond the chalkboard method, I really like bullet journaling, and I'm all about some Asana tasking, like tasking everything out in Asana so that yeah. I'm constantly, I'm never wondering, what is it that I need to be doing right now? Like I constantly know what I need to be doing, and if I do have a day that's kind of open, I might look at my chalkboard and say, okay, what can I do right now to close on a client? And I might just send out an email to a warm lead and say, hey, I know that you might be interested in working with me. Would you like to talk about that? So that's okay. how I stay focused. Awesome. Great. I'll check out I'll check out the chalkboard. I think right I, I just discovered Ever Evernote a bit a bit late, but yeah. I've been I've been writing and I feel like even that is like I have already so many notes and it's just I mean even that is a bit messy because I, I just like write down all my ideas. I don't know which ones are goals and which ones I, I have to get and which, like I just I feel like I'm just totally not focused on oh my gosh no so that's every creative entrepreneur no none of us are at a lack for ideas right and so that's really awesome that you have that Evernote I think that it's really good to have that chalkboard and to know what it is that makes you money because that's what separates hobbyists from entrepreneurs and then you can say how does this idea support my expertise how does this idea support my point of view how will this idea make me a hundred dollars today you yeah, know, and so a lot of times those ideas might turn into, okay, so here's a very specific example of how this went down in Being Boss. Emily and I have so many ideas for products that we want to launch, and so um, some of our good friends are Paul Jarvis and Jason Zook, and they are constantly launching a new course. So uh -huh. we were like, we should constantly be launching a new course, but it started to make us feel distracted and like we lacked focus. So then what we decided to do is sell something called a Being Boss Clubhouse, which is a membership community, and we could create a product that launches every single month within the clubhouse, but we're still just selling one thing. So it gives us the opportunity to create and sell all the things that we want to create. It's just under one big umbrella. So there are ways that you can still do all the things you want to do mm -hmm. um, and retain focus by remembering those main goals of what it is that you want, why you want it, and, you know, kind of like why it matters. Okay. Awesome. So you're normal. You're totally normal for having a ton of ideas and not <laughs> know which weird. ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that you can totally do common. with all those things, all those ideas is start small. Like start start seeding them in blog posts or podcasts. And if people are like, so the chalkboard method, if you go to that page, beingboss.club slash chalkboard, that was going to become a course in its own. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll just create a content upgrade out of it, get some subscribers. It fits my philosophy of giving everything away for free. And then people were still like, no, I need a course. You know, so a lot of my ideas, like I've kind of talked about them and then people demand okay. more. And that's how I kind of know which ideas resonate and which ideas don't. Yeah. All right. It was nice meeting you, Danielle. Thank you. Nice meeting you too. <laughs> so I'm adding the chalkboard episode right here. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs>
That's that's a that's a I'll podcast it episode. It's not the direct link to the wait. So we have a direct link to the podcast as well to the to the um, chalkboard area on the site. Let me see slash chalkboard. Yeah, it redirects. Yeah, it redirects to that episode. That's that's where oh, you want to okay. go. And then there is okay. a worksheet there that you can download. All right. Cool. In those shows. Great. Yeah. Great, great. That's a great answer, and I'm happy Danielle asked it, as, like, you know, again. Um, so, um, ah, two things I want to add before we go on. Um, we have, uh, for what you said before, when you said you launched the podcast at first to the audience that you already had, um, so we have a term for that. It's called um, audience-driven audience product development. And it's, it's true, and that's exactly what we preach for, so I'm very happy you said that, okay. because once you have an audience, you can develop products, and it's not, it's not like a startup, right? I mean, if that podcast wouldn't have worked, great, okay, you keep on doing it with your audience, what you do, so um, that's that. So that's great, great that you mentioned that. Yeah, and, and like, if you have a side project, your audience might be really small, but if you send them emails, like, they can actually really give you really good personal feedback right back at you so you don't have to have a huge audience to do audience testing yeah it's it's a it's a great and and the tip that you gave to also ask for once in a while you know to keep on asking for like ratings it's it's amazing i i haven't thought of that and you know it's totally actionable for me at least you okay. know for me and david that will be super actionable so thanks um and uh, i have a question of my own that i would like to add if i can sure. Um, so in Braid Creative, you say you work with creative entrepreneurs um, what, to develop their own personal brand. What is for you a creative entrepreneur? What, is, what are the types of people that you work with? You know, that's a good question because, like, basically everyone's a creative entrepreneur, <laughs> essentially. But yeah. we work with a lot of photographers, coaches. So we get a lot of life coaches and therapists through, I think, the Brene Brown crowd. Um, we get a lot of nutritionists, designers, other branding professionals who need help honing in on their process um, and how to kind of sell mm -hmm. that. We get a lot of consultants, nutritionists, wellness professionals. Um, I hope there's no one I'm leaving out. Web developers. So along those lines. So because uh, like the thing that I'm seeing is um, usually, like most, almost everyone in the course here right now is uh, either a designer or developer, and um, because that that was our crowd in hacking UI, so those are the type of people that we're seeing. Um, but like, do you find that like, let's say you bring a coach or a nutritionist, those people usually don't have any even idea about the internet, right? Um, as much. About the or, internet. Or technical skills. Oh, you know, that's, yeah. a good, that's a good point. Um, and Adir says, not everyone. And that's true, not everyone. It's just <laughs> funny whenever you set yourself up, whenever you're completely surrounded. Like, I've created a bubble where I'm hanging out with creative entrepreneurs all day, every day. So it's become my whole world. And I just assume that, like, everyone is a creative entrepreneur. But that's true. Not everyone is. But um, a lot of the entrepreneurs I work with do are interested in scaling into an online model. So even if they're not technical, they are definitely open to, after they get branding with us, hiring a designer or developer and additional support to help them launch that online program or to... Um, use the internet to access more one-on-one -on -one clients. We do work with a lot of service-based creatives, creatives who have a harder time explaining what it is they do. Um, we help them sound self-employed rather than unemployed. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's what we do. All right, great. Um, so um, that brings us to the next question, which is surely connected. Um, so we have one big data developer on the team, Tal, and he asks, wait, where did his answer go? Tal, oh, you just remove your... No, it just moved one under. Ah, okay, okay, all right. So, um, Tal was asking, hi, I'm approaching entrepreneurship from the technical side. I know that design is important for having products succeed, but I don't understand good design. When I try to hire designers, I have a hard time communicating what I want, mostly because it was like, hey, I want it to look good. What can I do? to understand design more and improve communication with designers. 
Oh, Tal, I understand. So one thing that you might do is find a designer whose portfolio of work you think looks good. And then uh, hopefully they'll have a process that they can take you through that feels collaborative. Um, but just make sure that their style matches a style that you like, and that's a great place to start. I think another really great way that you can start to understand good design a little bit better is just to spend a little bit of time on Pinterest. Go to a couple of designers' boards on Pinterest. Um, you can even go to the Braid Creative Pinterest board and just start your own pin board where you're repinning logos and designs that you like. You don't even have to understand why you like them, but then you can share that Pinterest board and that mood board with a graphic designer who then will be able to say, okay, here are some patterns I'm seeing. I'm seeing that you're pulling a lot of sans-serif type, sans typography. I see that you're pulling a lot of things with reds and oranges in it. And so they'll start to really uncover those patterns for you and they'll use that information to then create something just for you. So I think that the best way to understand good design is to stop talking about it and start showing it. That's my biggest great. answer. I think it's a great answer. Um, Tal, are you here with us? Is Tal here? Maybe not. Uh, no, he's not here. Tal okay. can watch the replay. <laughs> Okay, you'll probably see this. Uh, most of the group, by the way, they, they mostly see this after um, they see the recording. So that's why we don't have all the group in. Um, and I, I'm sorry, and I now get that I didn't even give you some context as to what we are doing here in the Site Project Accelerator, right? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean we, we, you probably know we're teaching people how to do the Site Projects and put yeah. out great content. But, um, but right now we're on the fifth week. Um, wait. No, the fourth, the fifth week. Right now, the fifth week. Um, we had one week of like a few weeks that were very intensive, like getting blog up and writing your first article and putting out the first newsletter and trying and starting to um, sign people up to your newsletter um, and then plugging everything in. Um, like, you know, in your article, okay, then put a sign-up box and then in your, uh, and then opening Facebook and Twitter and starting oh, to promote good. your article there. So, um, that's that's the thing that we've been through. Now we've been through a week, one week of automation. Uh, that was the last lesson last week. It was all about like automation and how uh, David and I automated our processes. And this week, uh, by the way, everyone, the lesson is ready. I'll post it up in Slack later. But this week, um, the lesson is about uh, outsourcing and hiring a VA. So in order to kind of like do manual automation. So it's kind of like still automation, but it's like manual automation. Um, so Good. that's, that's right, where we are right now. We're at week five, manual automation, and we've everybody here already got a blog. He has a newsletter, um, and we've seen some amazing stuff going on, like people posting on Reddit, and all of a sudden it blows up, and people posting on uh, Designer News, Medium, uh, it, great newsletters, really high-quality newsletters with great content. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's where we're at right now. That's Wonderful. Yeah. Sorry to give it already at the end of the session. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, all right. We'll go on to the next question. I'll close this one down. And all right. So, Omri, I'll invite him on the screen. Um, Omri asks, do you remember a failure that you had in the past and what do you learn from it? This is a good question. And I certainly <laughs> do have a failure in the past. So, Right around the time that I launched Being Boss and found a lot of success around that, I thought it was, I, like, I was just ready to become a portfolio entrepreneur and open all sorts of businesses. So I launched a journalism website with a former state senator who has a lot of clout and a lot of power locally. Um, I thought that I would just be able to like, rake in a ton of easy money and because being boss, because I love sharing content so much, like I thought journalism is totally in my wheelhouse. Turns out not at all. Um, and <laughs> what happened is that this website, it didn't support my vision and expertise around personal branding and being who you are 100% of the time and getting to work on stuff that fuels your expertise and, and makes you known for something. And so I kind of like broke my own rules to try it. 
And it was like the website is still up and running, and but I had to completely step out of it. And it was a total failure as far as work-life balance. And um, I think about like how much more I could have gotten done in that year if I had not been focusing on this now third big project and being like a co-owner of it. So that was a huge failure. And I learned to never do anything like that really distracts from why. So, okay, so with goals, I think that there's like, what do you want? And let's say it's, I want to be a millionaire, but then why do you want to be a millionaire? And then how, like, how do you want to make your million? Because I can make a million dollars selling mattresses, but do I want to be known for selling mattresses? No. Um, so like, that's kind of what I really learned from that failure. Does that answer your question? Yeah, great. Do you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You're a little quiet, but I can hear you. <laughs> Do you have any other great. questions? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think my next question is up next. Um, yeah, go ahead, ask it, ask it, ask it up. All right. So, um, being boss is really branded as a... I read it and felt like I'm a part of the, I mean, I read the text in the website and I felt like a part of it. So I was wondering how did you manage to to make me feel the way, like, <laughs> this community thing that I felt. Ah, thank you. That's actually a big compliment that you say that. So I'm glad that you felt that way whenever you're reading it. I think that getting really narrowly focused on who it is that you're speaking to and speaking directly to them almost so that you feel psychic. Like I cannot tell you how many times someone emails me saying, are you in my head? Because you were saying exactly what I needed to hear. And I think that that really comes from just listening to your community and answering their specific questions. But then also like not being a robot about it and using words that you actually use, um, telling stories that you actually tell and, and relating it to your real life. Like I think that's a great part of personal branding and being who you are 100% of the time means that you become more relatable. And really for me, I just want everyone to feel like we're having one big conversation. So that was definitely part of my intention with being boss. Um, so other than just, I don't know, being myself, I don't know any other advice as far as making someone feel a part of your brand than just like maybe reading everything that you write and saying, would I say this out loud? You know, or is this how I would tell my best friend about it who understands my business or whatever kind of side project I'm doing? So that would be my biggest advice there. Great. Thank you. And then it looks like you also asked who are my mentors, so I can go ahead and tell you that really quick. So um, Brene Brown definitely has been one of my biggest mentors. I was lucky enough after I read her book to do a review of her book, and then she ended up hiring me to do all of her branding. So I've been lucky to have direct access to her, but even without that direct access, I think that she would still 100% be a mentor just by following the stuff that she shares. She's amazing. She talks a lot about... Um, she talks a lot about vulnerability and showing up and being seen, which I think is so important for creative entrepreneurs. You guys read her book, Daring Greatly. It is so good. Um, my other favorite book is called Rework by the guys over oh, at 37 yeah. Signals. So Jason Freed. Yep, Jason Freed and David Heinemeyer Hansen. Yeah. So I, I, funny enough, I had the chance to interview David Heinemeyer Hansen and I hadn't told my husband about it. And then I told him after the fact, I was like, I interviewed this guy named David Heinemeyer Hansen. He wrote a book that I love. And my husband is a software developer. And he was like, what? Yeah. He was like, you know, he invented Ruby on Rails. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> So it was really cool getting to talk to him. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, so those are like the two biggest resources that have totally shaped my business model and everything that I do. <clears throat> Amazing. Yeah. Cool. It was nice to meet you. Um, nice to meet you. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Amory. Um, all right. So now we're back to Adir. Um, Adir is asking... Adir, let's get you. Ah, oh, wait, you can't be on the screen. All right. Um, Adir is asking, can you share your experience with sponsors on being boss? How did you get that initial contact? How did you, how do you direct performance? And how many of the sponsors come back for more? 
So our sponsor since almost the beginning has been FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. You can start your free trial for your side project at freshbooks.com slash being boss. Being a plugin. But they've been with us since the beginning. And what's really funny about that, I always have this thing, this is a tactic for you guys. Um, anytime I'm feeling slow in business or I want to get a dream client, I make a list called the Hot Shit 200. And I list out 200 people that I would love to work with or interview or somehow interact with. Like maybe I don't even know exactly what our interaction might look like, but it's just 200 people. So I started to... 200, wow. Yeah, 200. I mean, maybe start with 50. But I think that 200 is is really good place to start. Um, So I started a Hot Shit 200 for being boss podcast sponsors. I made it to two. The two on my list were FreshBooks Cloud Accounting because I already used them and Adobe because obviously I use design tools in Adobe every single day. Um, On episode maybe seven, FreshBooks reached out to us. So I didn't even approach them. I think that maybe I had mentioned them on the podcast. You know, and the same thing goes with like Brene Brown being on my Hot Shit 200 list. Then I wrote a book review about her book. So on your Hot Shit 200 list, like what you'll do is you'll have the person or brand that you want to work with, you'll have their URL, or if it's a brand like FreshBooks, maybe look up who their marketing director is or their like podcast liaison is and put in their email address. And then the following cells will be like points of contact. So maybe you've subscribed to their newsletter. Maybe you've hit reply to a newsletter and you've sent them an email. Um, Maybe you've followed them on Twitter and you've started tweeting back and forth at them a little bit. It's about just like noting your points of engagement. Um, So mine was like, my Hot Shit 200 list for the sponsors, I didn't note any of those things, but I think that writing that list made me subconsciously mention FreshBooks a couple of times on the podcast before the sponsors because I actually use them. So that's another thing is maybe approach sponsors that you actually use and love. And I think that that's what's made our relationship with FreshBooks so authentic and genuine is that I actually use and love them. So they approached us first, and I told them, like, I I just have big dreams. Like, I want a ton of money. I want to be be able to do, like, a a social media takeover. I want access to your newsletter list. And they were like, no, we'll give you, like, a 100 bucks. (laughs) But now they've been with us for over a year, and they do so much fun stuff with us. They bought – we went on a – we created kind of a conference for our bosses, and we went on a big – vacation to Miami and FreshBooks bought us a yacht to have a party on for the evening. So like now we're doing like really fun stuff with them and it's been amazing. Um, We've also worked with other sponsors who are creative entrepreneurs who are pretty cool like Acuity Scheduling. Um, Acuity did not stay with us because they just felt like they had saturated the market. Oh and that's another thing we keep track by I don't even know how this stuff works, but like our URL that we use and then that people mention us like whenever they sign up. So they give us access to analytics and records and so that way we're able to see like how, what affects performance. And so sometimes we'll tweak our ads accordingly and we're like, hey, let's try a mid-roll ad instead of a pre-roll ad and see if that converts a little bit better. So we definitely track... And we won't work actually with podcast sponsors who are interested in just doing one episode because we can't track and measure what works and what doesn't well enough. So we like to work with people for at least 13 weeks so we can really see what the traction looks like there for them. So yeah. Sounds great. Yeah, Adir, does it answer your question? Do you have any follow-up on that? And I want to mention that there are like eight different ways you can make money on a podcast and we mention a lot of that in um, I have a course with Paul Jarvis and Jason Zook and then my partner Emily um, called podcast like a boss and we mention all the different ways that you can get sponsorships for podcasts or get paid for having a podcast it doesn't have to just be sponsors yeah yeah that's that's a great session I was there it's it's definitely recommended Um, and um, the, the two books that you mentioned before, Daniela was asking, so one, 37 Signals, but Bernay Brown, she, uh, she has also like the daring way or rising strong or, how, or 
Daring Greatly, what's the book that you were talking about? Daring Greatly is my favorite. Rising Strong is her most recent one, but I would recommend Daring Greatly. She also did a talk for 99U that, like, if you don't have time to read a book, I'm going to look this up real quick, and I'll paste the link for you guys. Cool, great, thank you. Because if you can just watch... And by the way, you have Audible. You have Audible as well. Yeah. Yeah, you can hear the book, I see. Nice, nice. Okay. I'm going to... Great. Okay, thank you. Amazing. Um, oh, one so, last thing that I cool. want to mention with sponsors is just that, like, our sponsors, especially mm -hmm. FreshBooks, they come back more every time because we do so well for them. So it always comes back to just, like, doing really yeah. great work that resonates with your audience um, first and foremost. And and they measure that by the, the amount, like their KPI is based on the amount of people that sign up with your link. That's what yeah, you're and then it's really based on the amount of people that convert from trial to paid subscriptions. And we have the highest yeah. conversion rate out of all the podcasts that they sponsor. Huh. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Great. So way to Thank go. Thank you. <laughs> Glad to hear that it's working out for you with FreshBooks. That it's an awesome sponsor. Um, so we got one last question uh, from Adir again. Uh, Adir asking, in your opinion, what is more important at the early stage, maintaining a blog or doing a podcast? Um, and maybe, maybe I can, I can, you know, touch on that question a bit um, because I had similar questions. So for first time, um, when you when you did the podcast, I mean, you you were already writing content, and so. Do you really have suggestions of like, should someone just, how someone can find what they're better at in a way? Like, yeah, I mean, like, or should okay, they so if you love like Facebook living every day, you might want to start a YouTube channel. If you love having conversations with creative entrepreneurs every day, you might want to start a podcast. Um, if you love writing every day, you might want to start a blog. So really just do the thing that you love doing in the first place. Like, if you hate writing, then a podcast might be a great option for you. If you hate the sound of your own voice, you might want to just stick to writing. So do whatever gives you the most energy um, is my main answer for that. I do think that a podcast is a lot more work than writing a blog, um, just because there's so many more technical logistics and steps that go to getting that podcast up. And it's also a bigger buy-in for your audience because they have to listen to an hour of you talking or however long. Your, maybe your podcast is only five minutes, and that's great, too. But for me, it's a higher yeah. buy-in um, than a, a blog. So I would say do what you like doing the best. I do think great. that having a blog has its advantages as far as SEO goes. So one thing that you might do is if you decide to start a podcast is to go ahead and post it every week into a blog with show notes and keywords so that you can start to generate that SEO. I think that that's a great thing to do. Okay, great. Adia, does that answer the question? I've heard people say yes, like, oh, great. maybe I should start a podcast because um, – it seems like it would be easier than writing. And so I go, are you a writer? And they're like, yeah, I'm a writer. I'm like, doing a podcast isn't easier than writing if you're a writer already. You know, like, there's nothing easy about. Really, you should never be saying, like, I just want to do something because yeah. it's easy. Nothing is easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, um I have one last question. Is that okay? Sure, if we yeah. push in one, one last question. All right. Um, I'll ask it. And then, so my question is, is just right now, in terms of um, boss, you have a few things going on. You have this podcast, which has sponsorships. You have on your site, uh, um, you have your, like, you have a, a membership program. You have all these paid webinars that you are doing. Um, so what what is right now the the things that make you income from um, from being boss and in percentages like what makes you like I don't know like twenty percent fifty percent of the income you know? So I boss? actually only have one thing I sell on being boss and that is the clubhouse. 
Mm -hmm. So the clubhouse is where we hold all those webinars in the clubhouse. So you're only purchasing one thing. You're not having to uh, buy okay. webinars. Like once you're there, you get all that stuff for free. Um, so we've created that model so that we're not having a ton of stuff to sell. And then like, oh, well, that's not true. We do have this like being boss, we call it the bundle. And that's like an email subscription series. But that's like not even, I don't even like think of it. Like we maybe sell four or five a month like at $70 each. So it's not even a big deal. So the clubhouse is the big thing for mm -hmm. being boss. But we make most of our money from... Uh, our sponsorships, and we make most of our money from, um, say, like a little bit. We've done a couple of things, but really, the main thing that we want to make money from is the clubhouse, and then our sponsorships. Um, yeah, sponsorships for the podcast, you mean? Yeah, sponsorships for the podcast. Or, yeah, they don't get a banner or something as well, or or a, a dedicated email or something. They, so, like, yeah, our sponsors, like, they get the ad buy in the actual podcast, but then we also give them some value-added stuff, like a banner in on the website or in our emails. So, yeah, we definitely, like, make sure that they feel taken care of. Um, so, yeah, okay. the clubhouse is people, how people buy us. But then our main focus, though, for this year, and this is another thing about, like, understanding what your goals are, is to really grow the brand itself. So our focus was on growing the brand, and then whenever we accidentally made six figures in our first year, we were like, oh, this might be a business. We need to open a bank account for all this money that's coming in. And that happened through, like, a few different things. Like, we've launched products like Podcasts Like a Boss with Paul Jarvis and Jason Zook. We launched one really small one-on-one -on -one offering. So we've been able to, like, cobble together a bunch of money. But the thing that we really – like, we – don't want to be creating a bunch of products that we're having to like hustle to sell in our promotional calendar. Like we don't want to clog up our promotional calendar with things that just make us a little bit of money here and there. So that's why we've really decided yeah. to drill down on our business model to only sell the clubhouse. Yeah. And then the, the other like okay. creative, it's like I make money on the one-on-one -on -one clients and then the braid method e-course. So those are the two ways that I make money there. So I'm really trying to narrow in on how I make money and yeah. really narrow in on those streams, but still stay diverse enough that I can try a few different things and see what gets traction. Okay. Sounds great. Sounds yeah. Great. All right. Um, great. So Kathleen, thanks so much for this session. It was amazing. I think you spilled so much, so many insights and also actionable stuff that all of us can take. Um, <laughs> And yeah, it was really, really great session. Uh, I really enjoyed. I, I guess everyone, yeah, everyone here as well. <laughs> um, Thanks for having me, guys. It was great chatting with you. Yeah, no, thank you so much, really. Um, and we will have this live recording. Uh, everybody here. So um, yeah. So Kathleen, thanks again, and we'll be in touch. Thanks, you guys. All right. Bye. 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 Oh no, how do I...